You may have missed the news, but in 2022, justice was finally served in the case of Elizabeth Johnson Jr., who was formally exonerated of the crime she'd been sentenced to death for, which is the crime of witchcraft. Unfortunately, the reprieve came several hundred years too late. Johnson Jr. was one of the women accused during the infamous Salem witch trials 329 years ago. Her pardon was part of a growing movement in the US and in Europe to reverse the convictions of thousands of women and men who were falsely accused during the 17th and 18th centuries. Beth Caruso is the co-founder of the Connecticut Witch Trial Exoneration Project and the author of One of the Windsors, The Untold Story of America's First Witch Hanging. And she joins me now. Welcome to the program. Thank you very much. It's nice to be with you tonight. Can you remind us of the, the context of the witch trials? They are infamous, but who were the people uh, that all of this was built around? Who were the people accused of witchcraft? Well, most of the people accused were women. Most were basically blamed for things that happened in a time where science was not well understood. And so they were often people who were lower in standing, people who maybe they had committed a previous crime. And these things usually took place during some type of community panic. And what kind of community panic were we talking about? Big issues, small issues, the full range of issues? Well, in the case of the very first witch hanging in the American colonies, which was the case of Alice Young that happened in Windsor, there was um, a huge influenza epidemic. And through my uh, research, I discovered that there was a cluster of child deaths right next door to Alice Young. Four children died, but there were other children as well in town, and those children were of very important people, like two of the minister, one from the local doctor, others of legislators. So based on that epidemiology, um, I and historians do believe that that is the reason why she was accused. So in that situation, you know, that it was almost five times the death rate of the previous year, and that was a huge event. Um, other events, there was, there was another case in Windsor that was, you know, very strange. A man by the name of Henry Stiles was shot on the town green by accident, as the militia were marching and practicing. Um, it so happened that the gun that shot this person accidentally belonged to the son of a wealthy uh, man in town. That was in 1651. And so it's just this one in incident in particular. But three years later, a woman named Lydia Gilbert was blamed for bewitching the gun. Now, she wasn't even there marching with the militia on the green. So um, we don't know how this accusation came about, but we do know that the family of the man who had been, you know, charged with manslaughter earlier 
got all the money from a fine back, and now we see this woman hang instead. When we think of witches and witchcraft trials uh, in the States, we think of Salem, we think of that play, The Crucible, but the first woman to be executed was from Connecticut. It all started in Connecticut, and Mm -hmm. now you are heading up the Connecticut Witch Trial Exoneration Project. Tell me, what are you aiming to do? Well, what we would like to do is, number one, you know, raise awareness that there were these witch trials in Connecticut. They were actually the spark that caused a lot of the witch trials that happened later on, um, and including a huge panic in Connecticut called the Hartford Witch Panic, which was 30 years before the Salem trials even took place. But um, most importantly, We want exoneration for the victims who hanged, as well as recognition of all the other ones who were indicted and suffered by way of ruined reputations or having to flee, leaving their land. Um, And by doing this, it's a way to correct the historical record because we know that there's been a lot of research about witch trials over the past 50 years or so. um, And more recently, people are delving into Connecticut. Um, This is just important for families because, you know, you can still read in books. Oh, yeah, these were witches. There's a lot of blurring of the lines where people say, oh, yeah, they were actually practicing witchcraft. But people don't realize that's really more of a um, modern religion. Yes, they may have been you know, dabbling in folklore practices, but a lot of them were. What really did it for them is they were in the wrong place at the wrong time when there was an incident that couldn't be explained. And so this is very important to descendants uh, and it's important for correcting the historical record. Interestingly enough, when I was doing research for one of Windsor, I realized that my husband's family is related to Lydia Gilbert, <laughs> the second story I was telling you about. The one who bewitched the gun. The be- <laughs> yes, yes. So, um, you know, how, how sad and how outrageous that that type of misogyny occurred and led to a woman's death. If you've just joined us here on RN Drive, Beth Caruso is with me talking about witchcraft and exoneration. Is it fair to say that you have your project has gained momentum in recent years because a lot of people are doing take-home DNA tests and they're discovering that, in fact, that witch who was executed was my witch, was my great ancestor? Is that where a lot of this is coming from? Absolutely. When we started... Um the Facebook page, CT Witch Memorial, those were the people who would find us um, and say, hey, oh, you're telling a story about the Carringtons. They were my grandparents. They were my great-great-grandparents, one after another after another. And so it really did build a lot of momentum. And in the first attempt in Connecticut in 2008, it was primarily a mother and daughter who were de- who were descended from a woman named Mary Sanford, who was hanged as a witch during the Hartford Witch Panic. So it's always 
been a core emphasis, but now that more and more and more people are finding out about it, and uh, this means literally thousands of descendants. Um, they reach out to us, and this is something they want, and they we've found them in states all over the U.S. We've found them in Canada. Maybe there will be more that pop up in Australia if someone <laughs> hears this interview. I just don't know, but they are all over, and they are very supportive of doing this for their grandparents who were unjustly killed or unjustly suffered. Just finally, what would you say to someone who said all of this happened three or 400 years ago? Why does it matter? Well, it matters for a couple different reasons. One is that witch trials are still going on now in several countries in the world. So we still have women primarily, some children being killed because of suspicion of witchcraft. This is still happening. So this is a way to raise awareness about this. There is no way this should be happening in 2023. The other part of it is there are other forms of witch hunting. Every time someone is, a group especially, is singled out and isolated and, you know, told lies about and, you know, told that they should be feared it is a form of witch hunting, and it's a way to unite people. So it's also important from that aspect. Beth Caruso, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Beth Caruso is the co-founder of the Connecticut Witch Trial Exoneration Project and the author of One of the Windsors, The Untold Story of America's First Witch Hanging. ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.